what did the judge say when a skunk entered the courtroom? Odor, odor in the court. Odor, odor. Judgments are rendered in courtrooms. Is that true or false? That's true. That's true. Whether they are just judgments or not, judgments, sentences are rendered in courtrooms. But not only physical courtrooms, with attorneys and judges in black robes. Judgments are regularly rendered in the courtroom of your heart and mine. For example, I can't believe she's wearing that. <laughs> he is so lazy. If those people just got jobs, a lot of those problems would clear up. I would never treat my children that way. You know, everyone goes through tough times. Everyone has bad things happen. She just needs to get over the bad thing that happened to her. And on and on and on. God must grow weary of listening to the constant hammering of judgment, of sentences being merited out to others in our hearts. Now some of us, when we turn the gavel on ourselves, are more lenient with ourselves than we are with others. Some of us are a lot stricter with ourselves than we are with others. What's, what's the case with you? Actually, for most of us, we are more lenient sometimes with ourselves and other times we're stricter. But regardless, the constant hammering of the gavel of our hearts continues. Now, gavels were not used in St. Paul's day. And actually, they're not used in the Canadian courts of our day. But the hammering of the gavel has come to evoke images of justice being rendered. Thanks to the influence of, what else? American movies and television. <laughs> uh, an influence that you might well resent as Canadians. I mean, what could be worse than imported American shows? Only one thing, imported American preachers. <laughs> In today's letter to the Romans, St. Paul addresses what apparently was a problem across the first century churches, these controversies over minor, highlight with the highlighter, minor matters of faith and practice. What you should eat, what you shouldn't eat, whether you should observe certain special festivals, or seek to observe every day as a special festival. And when it comes to these minor, yellow highlighter, minor matters, the Apostle's instructions are very clear. He states in Romans 14, verse 10, Why do you pass judgment on your brother or sister? Or why do you despise your brother or sister? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. So in Romans 14.10, there are three statements. The first is, why do you pass judgment 
on your brother or sister. It's important to stress that in this verse, again, St. Paul is talking about minor matters of faith and practice. At stake here is not the Lordship of Jesus, the reality of one God, or whether it is appropriate for Christians to cheat and steal. On these core issues and many others, St. Paul regularly renders judgment in the rest of the New Testament. But when it comes to these minor matters of faith and practice, the Apostles' instructions are very clear. Back off. Don't judge. You have your way of honoring the Lord. They have theirs. Leave it be. The second statement in Romans 14.10 is, Why do you despise your brother or sister? St. Paul has no patience for Christians who despise their fellow believers over some minor matter of faith and practice. They worship on Saturday. We worship on Sunday. Big deal. We use hymns. They use praise music. Okay. These are not reasons to judge or reasons to despise those from whom Christ died. The third statement in Romans 14.10 is, For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. Now, despite some popular ideas about what tolerance means, and a giant red elephant misunderstanding of Jesus' words to judge not, lest ye be judged, you and I are called to make judgments about what is right and what is wrong, about what is true and about what is false. Even if you and I were to say, oh, no, I don't judge anybody. I don't judge people. No, I don't, I don't judge people. You and I would be lying. Because often the courtrooms of our hearts are rendering judgment on those around us. Even if as polite Canadians, you usually don't say anything about it. I mean, for example, some of you are judging me right now. But for Jews, Christians, and Muslims, we all acknowledge that one day we will have to stand before Almighty God and give an account for our life. And so anytime you and I are tempted to render sentence on a fellow human being, that should be tempered by this knowledge, this startling fact, that in the end, it will be God who will give the final, the last, the ultimate judgment. Not you, not me, God. One of the problems with your judgments and mine is that often we don't have the whole story. Often we're not particularly certain about many of the facts. Often the evidence is only circumstantial at best. God does not suffer from these limitations. So while God rightly judges... You and I, when it is necessary to make a judgment, and circle with a red pen in your mind the word necessary, because often it is not, should do so carefully, prayerfully, and provisionally. Did you catch that? I'm going to rewind anyway. While God rightly judges, you and I, when it is necessary to make a judgment, and circle the word necessary with red pen, because often it is not, 
to do so carefully, prayerfully, and provisionally. And besides, for the Christian, even if you disagree with someone, even if you are certain of the rawness of their beliefs or their behavior, you and I can treat them no less than as someone created in God's image and someone from whom Christ died. In other words, you and I are to love all. Guilty, innocent, pleasant, unpleasant, on our side, or theirs. To do less than this, which you and I frequently do, is simply to stumble on the way of self-denying, cross-carrying, Jesus-like love. In other words, you and I often fail to demonstrate the unconditional love, which is supposed to be the special mark of the Christian, and the special mark of the Christian church. Today's parable from Matthew 18 of the unforgiving servant really speaks for itself. We who have received a sentence of mercy that we don't deserve, I certainly don't, in many ways I don't deserve mercy. For those of us who have received that forgiveness and mercy from God, we should readily render similar sentences of mercy to others. As C.S. Lewis said, To be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. And this means, among so much else, so much else, that with the help of the Holy Spirit, the courtroom of your heart and mind should regularly give a pass on minor matters and should echo less with sentences of punishment and echo more with sentences of forgiven, forgiven, forgiven. Amen.